Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests who've been on JM in the AM. During our most uh, recent journey to Israel, we met some very interesting people, uh, including our first guest, Ilana Goldschneider, who leads a program in Israel called Darkenu. Ilana Goldschneider, first up on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. I just mentioned to Ilana Goldschneider how nice it is to reunite in the holy city of Jerusalem. She joins us. She is the uh, founding director of the Elaine and Norm Brodsky Darkenu program for Ortora Stone. I remind you, we will have our brander on to speak about the significant uh, event, the uh, Chag Smicha that's, uh, that uh, we'll be talking about. Uh, Ilana Goldscheider, welcome to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you very much. I have much. a feeling it's not the first time you're on this show. No, it is, actually. <laughs> is it and the welcome. first time? Yes, thanks so With much for having me. With all the amazing work you've done in this area of Jewish life? Oh. Wow, that's pretty funny. But a lot of people you've worked with have been, yes. have been on this show, that's for sure. All right, uh, tell us about the Darkenu program and the association with Artura Stone. Okay, so Darkenu is now um, just finishing its 16th year. Um, we were a school... Um, that is for girls and boys with special needs to come to Israel for the year and have their year like everybody else. This was a brainchild way back when in Camp Marasha days, um, when I way back made bunks in Camp Marasha for special needs girls and boys. And I said, I had a student who then came to me and said, I want to go to Israel for the year like everybody else. I finished high school with everybody, and now I want to go to Israel. And I said, uh, okay, let's do it. And a year later, I went to Ortova Stone. I went to Tova Ryan then. said to Tova, I have an idea for you. How, what do you think about bringing special needs girls so they also can feel like everybody else and be in Israel for the year and do their thing like everyone else gets the chance? She looked at me and in 10 minutes said, what an amazing idea. We'd love to have you here. And Ortova Stone embraced us. And thank God now, 16 years later, um, we are been running our school. And then um, 13 years ago, we started the boys' school, and that's in uh, in the Gush. And that's also affiliated with Ortora That belongs to Ortora Stone. Uh, it's funny because you just gave a two-minute synopsis of something that we've heard about for years because we have, we've met people um, with the background that you described who had told us that they actually went for a year to Israel. I don't know if it's a full year or how many months it is. Uh, but this, you know, the gap year concept to go to Israel and to be with their classmates and all the other, you know, New York, New Jersey and other areas, kids that are uh, in Israel for the year. And uh, a lot of people might be skeptical. How can it work? They're so far away from home. They need, quote unquote, special education. But all these areas somehow all fit together and it worked out, huh? It works out beautifully. I think that many of our students have been students who are mainstreamed in regular schools up until through high school. Right. So um, the natural next level was, well, if everyone else is going, wh- wh- why shouldn't I also get to go? Um, they come to our, our setting, which is a very specialized program, meaning there's a lot of staff around for them so that their needs are all met. We give them social skills and life skills. Um, they go to work. There's a full work program every morning because our students can't learn all right. day long. So they're busy working. Um, and, then they have, and then they have time actually with each other, which is actually one of the greatest gifts that they get their year in Israel. Most of the people with special needs are the one, the two in a class. All of a sudden they come to a school where there are 10 girls, 12 boys, 10 in a classroom. People just like them with the same interests, same needs, um, but they now have friends. Um, throughout high school and younger than that, they had people who liked them. Sometimes even people who did chesed to be with them. 
all of a sudden their peers are, are just, just like them, hanging out, being together, enjoying. It is such a great idea. Ilana Goldschott is with us. Uh, what happens right now in July? Are you looking toward this coming year? Are all the classes set already for who's coming to Israel in September? Correct. Well, we still have spaces if somebody still is interested in the boy and the girls' schools. Um, but this summer we normally take a chance to regroup, to relook, to reevaluate, to figure out what the right, um, if everything worked the right way. One of the nice things is that every year I get new staff, new um, st- students who come who are madrichot or madrichim, mm. and they start new, we start new. So we reevaluate the year every single year to sort of say what was right, what wasn't right. Um, many of our students return each year to us. They don't just come for one year, they come for many years. And because of that, I like to change it up so that no one feels bored or we did this same thing last year. And therefore, we spend the summer sort of redoing all that. There must be something to the fact that it's happening in the area of Israel where it's happening, right? So the beauty, Not to put down any other geographic location uh, of Israel, you, yeah. but when you're in the Gush or that area, there's something extra special about it. I think that the beauty of Israel is that the country belongs to everyone. And all of a sudden, our students are on equal levels than everybody else. I get to go to Israel. You get to go to Israel. The Kotel, we're all diving at the Kotel. All Jews diving in the Kotel. And there's this feeling of we belong. Um, and since everyone else gets to come, again, why shouldn't we get to come too? Uh, but the magic, I had a student this past year who had never been to Israel. Um, and when she went to the Kotel, and she, like, we blindfolded her, and she walked in and <laughs> saw it for the first time. She's like... Oh, my God, I've been davening. We've been learning about Israel and Yerushalayim. And here I am standing where everybody else gets to stand. And now I get to stand here, too. Amazing. Ilana yeah. Goldschreiter is with us. Artura Stone, the Elaine and Norm Brodsky, Darkenu program. She's the founding director. Um, are the parents, or if you go back 16 years, were the parents very hesitant to take this step? Because very often with those with special backgrounds, the parents have to be even more on top of their children, do they hesitate to send them 6,000 miles away? I think some initially do, um, and then they they do it and they trust. Um, I think also for many parents, this is an amazing year of respite also. Um, I had a parent who once said to me, I've never knew a Sunday morning before. I didn't know you can just sit around and drink a cup of coffee and read a paper because your daughter was upright and early ready to go. Um, it's a year also for the families to look at their other children and give them a chance to sort of connect to them when they've given so much energy and attention to their special needs child. So I think the parents, although um, a little bit nervous, um, I think nowadays also with WhatsApps and cell phones and FaceTime, life has changed for everybody. Um, But I, I think this chance away and the respite of not having to really worry um, is for them a wonderful gift also. Does it go September to Pesach or September to June? Oh, so our, we start after the Chagim. Ah. Um, Chagim are times to be with family, so we wait and then we run till the end of June. Oh, very good. Straight so through. really a full, uh, yeah. full program. Yeah. Information about all of this, what should people do? Um, they are more than welcome to check the website under Darkenu. We spell it interesting, D-A-R-K-A-Y-N-U. More literal spelling for our special needs population. Um, we are on that's Facebook. The yeah, that's oh, yeah. the reason. Very cool. Um, we are on Facebook. There's a Dar- uh, Midrashit Darkenu page, Darkenu Programs page. Um, and check us out, please. And if you know anyone, um, anyone who has a child who might potentially w- uh, can fit with us, that would be great. The other thing that we've sort of expanded to is a student who is of not special needs in learning, but physically special needs. Um, who wants to come to Israel but needs a lot of physical help. We had a student last year in a wheelchair um, who needed staff to really help her with most things, and yet intellectually she was completely fine and wanted to go and learn for the year in Israel. 
and um, Darkenu facilitated her ability to sit in Lindenbaum and learn and do classes by giving her the right staff and the right planning and the programming and readjusting schedules on days that had to be adjusted for a girl in a wheelchair. Boy, that's pretty amazing. Um, what did I read? That now the old city is completely wheelchair accessible? Yeah, right? almost, almost, almost. Hopefully during it's your tour tough, here it's you'll see it. a country it's a very to be tough wheelchair country. accessible. Uh, for those who've never been to Israel, you can't even imagine if you're used to what's going on in New York and New Jersey. Right. Well, it's just on different. simple sidewalks, if right. nothing else. You know. It's very difficult. Um, that is true. And in the Gush um, area, also very hard, I assume. Um, well, they redid the yeshiva, so the yeshiva is very accessible. Um, but anything, once you leave and go anywhere and try to get right. to someplace, um, we've learned tremendous amounts about what is really accessible, even though when something says it's accessible. Right. Um, but the country, thank God, is aware and doing their best and really trying to accommodate, which is really amazing. And the parent with a physically challenged child who's now hearing what you're saying, and they're not sure how physically challenged you and your staff can handle here, it's worth the inquiry, right? They should. Oh, it's worth I mean, again, the student that we had was physically stuck. I mean, really did very little. Um, right. We had a student two years ago who really was stuck in her wheelchair. Um, and so from that range, too, we have a student coming next year who doesn't have any arms. Um, and therefore, he still can come and learn and do. Um, even he can walk and do that stuff, but he has no arms, which means staff needs to help him with certain basic needs. Um, and yet we would love to have him. And we believe everyone should have a chance to come to Israel and learn Torah. Amazing. It's incredible how your name has become synonymous with this work. And I'm sure you're very proud of that. And it's a wonderful to have you on the air. Ilana Goldscheider, or Tara Stone. It's Elaine and Norm Brodsky, Darkenu program. She's the founding director. If any of this appeals to you as a parent, check it out. You could do so on the Darkenu website, part of our Tara Stone. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. That was my conversation with Ilana Goldscheider of Darkenu. Next is Eve Harrow of the One Israel Fund with a discussion about what's happening in Judea and Samaria. Eve Harrow, next on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Eve Harrow is with us. Um, Eve and I have had some very interesting exchanges on this radio show <laughs> over the years. The most recent one, I don't remember what it was, maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, you took the opportunity to really, uh, in a very animated fashion, uh, to remind the audience in the diaspora in a much stronger way than I do it uh, that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Uh, first of all, shalom. Great to see shalom. you and having you here on the air. Glad to meet you in Jerusalem. Thank you very much. So tell me, have you lightened up on your message at all since the last time we spoke? Are you still hammering people over the head so that they finally realize that the future of the Jewish people is in this land? Look, I think, unfortunately, events have proven it. Oh, you've got in the last couple of years, if it's been 18 months, I don't remember. Okay. You've got a rise in anti-Semitism, not just in America, but all over the world. So, look, I think Jews should be safe wherever they choose to live. Absolutely. Um, but something's going on. I, You know, I'm a tour guide. I've just been this week with a group called Momentum. It's like Birthright for Moms. Unbelievable group. Oh, this must be a busy season. For oh, you. very, yeah. very busy. That's why I'm like, just came running in from the old city. <laughs> and one of the places we take them to is Yad Vashem. And you start connecting the dots, okay? How does it start with the Germans? Boycotts. First, it's boycotts. All right? And then slowly by slowly. So um, I cannot live anywhere else. When I'm out of Israel for more than two weeks, I feel like my neshama is leaking out of my body. So for me, this is it. I have seven kids here, eighth grandchild about to be born. Please, God. I'm all in on this place. I want people to be here because it's an incredible country, not because they got thrown out of somewhere else. But in the meantime, while you're not here, let's make sure you're safe where you are, obviously, but keep Israel strong. 
Keep this all strong. I mean, it's, you know, we got to do it from both sides of the pond. Uh, when you take people around, you mentioned the old city, but there are many other areas oh, of Israel yeah. uh, where you uh, serve as a tour guide. What are some of the areas of Judea and Samaria that really uh, people marvel at when you introduce them to it? Um, well, in particular, like one of my favorites is Shiloh, mm. which is an incredible site where the tabernacle was. You can go back before Jerusalem as much as everyone loves Jerusalem, going to the Kotel. Where was the Mishkan before Yerushalayim? It was still belonged to the Jebusite. So Shiloh is great. But I have a couple of trips coming up um, next Monday. There's still room on the bus. We're going to Sebastia, which is not such a simple place to go to. Most people have probably haven't gone there. It was the capital of the Shomron. The other name for it is Shomron. It was the capital of the Israelite kingdom. And unfortunately, the Israeli government gave it up under the Oslo Accords. So it's very difficult to get to. You can only get there with army permission. So I've arranged that for next Monday. Day. We're going to Sebastia. The Tanakh, I can promise you, the Tanakh will be in my hand and open the entire time. We're talking Eliyahu Hanavi. We're ta- just an amazing, amazing site. Um, but sadly, because we don't have Israeli law on Yudav Shomron, there's a lot of antiquity theft going on there. It's not a national park as it should be. So I want people to go there and to see. I'll guide them. We'll have the army with us. Then we're going to have lunch in Kidumim. We're going to go to a person who makes pottery in Ailey will end up the day with wine. And then I have the annual wine trip in August, on August 15th, which is just also an incredible day around Shechem, Itamar, Ilon Moreh. Um, you know, it almost doesn't matter where people go in Yudav Shomron. People just don't know it well enough. Right. People have been here 30 times. They've been to Masada, where I just was yesterday. It's very hot in July. I would much rather actually go to Herodian than Masada. But Herodian is in Gush Etzion, and many people don't want to go. Organizations don't want to go, so they don't know about this incredible palace fortress of Herod. So, um Anywhere, really, the southern Hebron Hills, I mean, all these places, there's so much to do. The people are amazing. The food is outrageous. The scenery, everything, and every step you take just connects us to our history. Eve Harrow is with us. Um, There's so many positive developments, and obviously you just listed a lot of them, but what I need people to realize is just how much building and expansion is going on in the cities of Judea and Samaria. There's this impression, especially in the United States, that for whatever reason, political usually, but for whatever reason, growth has been stifled. You go around with these groups and by yourself, you see how these communities are expanding and continuing to make their mark in this area. The communities are expanding, but not enough. And very often what you'll see now are apartment buildings because we're not allotted enough land and we want to put as many people as we can That's on every square That's for political reasons. Yes, okay. Uh, you even see in places like Harbracha, which mm. is Mount Grizim, overlooking Shechem and there's land around it. There's a lot of agricultural land. They're putting up apartment buildings. In Efrat, where I live, the beginnings of Efrat, one and two-story buildings. Now we've got 10-story apartment buildings. A lot of it is because we're not, we're not being given enough land. We still want to put as many people as we possibly can. Um, what is very distressing is how much era building is going on. And there's an organization called Regavim that has just come out with what many of us have been seeing for years anyway. The Arab, the Palestinian Arabs now control more land in Area C, which Israel kept completely under Israeli control since the Oslo Accords. It's 60% of Judea and Samaria. The Arabs now control more land than the Jews do. And this is an area that's completely under Israeli control, a lot of illegal building. So come on, like what's going on here? And it's distressing because we're law-abiding people. You know, we live in these communities. Our children are conscripted. We pay taxes. We cross all our T's and dot all our I's. We're amazing Israeli citizens, but 
we, we're watching things happening. We can't enclose a porch without permission, which makes sense. But then across the road, we see the people who are not living in a law-abiding society under completely different rules are getting away with things. And it's upsetting. And these are the kinds of things that we would like to see straightened out. You know, they can burn their garbage and those toxic fumes come into our towns because there's no wall high enough to keep that away. So, you know, one of the reasons that I and a lot of other people are pushing for some kind of sovereignty in Judea and Samaria is also so that there'll be environmental rules. The roads will be safer. We have way too many car accidents on our roads because they're not taken care of the way they should be because they're shared with people who have a different way of driving, let's say. And so the odd thing is, is that the Arabs that we talk to in the area feel the same. So you many know? of the things you're mentioning we don't even think of. I know. I mean, you see it every day. I but, live it every single day. But we don't even think of these the, things. You know, we look, we want the whole land of Israel. There's an ideology right. here. But above and beyond that, for a day-to-day level, on little things of safety, there's a lot of cooperation that goes on between the Jewish communities and the Arab communities because let's say there's a mosquito outbreak because there was some pond or, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. drained properly. Well, those mosquitoes are not going to distinguish between Jews and Muslims and who they decide to bite. And so there is a lot of cooperation that goes on the ground every single day um, that I don't think enough is spoken about. And look, Israel has made life so much better for everyone living in Judea and Samaria. The infrastructure, the sewage, the roads, the electricity, none of which Jordan had provided pre-67. And there's a lot of the Arabs there benefit. It's, you know, it sounds so funny because very often... We are the sign of coexistence. I can't tell you how many people have said to me. Which well, and for, people, of course, think you're the, the problem. They think I'm the problem. So I've never gotten an answer to this question when someone has said to me, look, for the sake of peace and coexistence, you're going to have to leave your home. And my answer is, what about coexistence? What's, <laughs> what, what is it about coexistence if I'm not there? Right? Jews have been ethnically cleansed from many places over the years. This is a place where we're not going anywhere. We also don't want to throw anyone else out. Why can't we learn to live together? And the people living in these communities are very often the least racist and the least obnoxious of a lot of people that I know because we live with a lot of different people and shop with them they and they're really in our do hospitals. They really appreciate their neighbors. And we, you know what? You, there's an expression in Hebrew, chabdel v'chashdehu, right. right? Beware, respect and be wary. But they respect us because they know we're not going anywhere. And the Middle East is all about honor and shame. And when they have said to me over the years, listen, we don't necessarily like you, but we respect you because you're a proud Jew. But the Jews on the left, not only do we not respect them, we don't trust them because if they can betray their own people, they will betray ours. Wow. All right? So, you know what? The world is about respect. Being a little crazy doesn't hurt either in deterring people from being nasty against you. It's a whole different way of thinking here. You know, we are are a very Western country, but we're in the Middle East, and we've learned to roll with what that means. And uh, I think Israel is such a unique place, and I think Judea and Samaria is the unique place in the unique place. Eve Harrow is with us. All right, it's no secret that we're using this opportunity to speak about the One Israel Fund, the work that they're doing. Uh, You mentioned infrastructure before. It's one Mm -hmm. of the things that we as Jews in the United States associate with the One Israel Fund, right. that they've been there on for many infrastructure projects. Right. One Israel Fund, what could you tell us that you've seen with your own eyes that they're responsible for? All right, so I'm honored to be Director of Tourism for One Israel Fund, which means that I get the fun stuff. Okay, David, Mark, some of the others, they've got, you know, the fundraising, and they have to go to barbecues <laughs> in New York, which is, you know, it's not easy. Um, but I get to put people on buses or private people when they come out and take them to see all these places. And yes, there's a gap between what the government will give and what needed. So if it's parks, communities need parks. We've got a lot of kids. We have, Israel has the highest birth rate in the Western world, and Judea 
in Samaria has the highest birth rate in Israel. And we have cable TV, so it's because it's not because of that. We <laughs> love children, but the children need parks. We need mikvaot. We have put mikvaot in communities that then double within the next few months because a religious couple is not going to move to a community if there's no mikvah there. Makes all the difference. So we try and punch above our weight to do projects that are not you know, extraordinarily expensive or big, but make a huge impact in the community. If it's a safer tour, if it's a park, if it's security cameras or keeping people just that extra little bit safe so that, you know, they feel good about living in the place. That's what we do. We fill in those gaps. It's funny. We always think it's about, you know, special security campaigns. It's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. Look, the security is still in the people. Sure. The people have to be happy on a day-to-day level. So within the basin that, let's say, Mark Provisor, who is our security guy, what he creates with the camera. And with the very quiet, and he will be there tomorrow. So, within that space that he helps create, with the help, of course, of our donors, in that security space, we can live lives without having to worry. And that's a huge thing, you know, to be able, again, to send the kids to the parks if you have a special needs child. And you know that within your community, there's maybe like a piano teacher who's, you know, doing music therapy. So you don't have to travel all the way to Tel Aviv. That ultimately on a day-to-day level is makes the difference between people's quality of life. And that's what we try and do. Uh, Eve Harrow directs tourism for the One Israel Fund. We remind you that tomorrow night is the 10th annual Five Towns Summer Barbecue and Israeli Wine Tasting, and you can attest to the fact that there's some good Israeli wines Oh, my out goodness. There. Totally. Yes. Any favorites <laughs> you want to mention? <laughs> or that Any would be unfair. That would be unfair. No, no but I, I, I love the wines from the Benjamin region, and one of my pet hobbies right now is we're also bringing back the wines of the past. Right. So, you know, Shivy Droy, Dr. Shivy Droy, the Gvault Winery. What did we drink in the temple? What did we drink in the days of the Talmud? And that's fascinating and fabulous and they're working on it every day it's amazing yeah it really is uh, you'll taste Israeli wines and have a great summer barbecue it's happening tomorrow night at the Hoffman Home on Mistletoe Way in Lawrence information 516-239-9202 or go to the web oneisraelfund.org slash events oneisraelfund.org slash events and Eve Harrow strongly recommends that anybody who's in the New York area should go if you're here and my you, trips if you're next here, week you stay and here. in August and come on my buses right, next week course, and in August Cholamoid Look us up. We always have something going on. And I think a lot of people will find the wine tasting tour a very good idea. Amazing. (laughs) Yuli might even remember it at the end of the day. (laughs) Thank you, Eve. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Eve Harrow during our recent trip to Israel. Before Israel, we were in the five towns for one morning, and Andy Goldsmith of Amit joined us to discuss the latest uh, with the Amit organization. Andy Goldsmith next up on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Joining me in our studio is uh, Andy Goldsmith, Executive Vice President of Amit. It has been too long since I have seen Andy, and it has been too long since you have joined us on the air. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Nachum. Well, you came to my neighborhood and uh, literally could roll out of bed and come to the studio. That's why um, you were here so early, huh? Exactly, and, and there were muffins, so you know, you know, how, you know how to get to a man's heart. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's, our, it's the secret that we know very well. Uh, first of all, I have to, I have to comment I've met a lot of people. I was at a wedding recently where a lot of your very loyal board members were. Um, You have an extremely loyal base of support at Amit and a lot of very proud people, lay leaders, who are thrilled with the inroads that your organization continues to make in Israel, especially in the world of education or the area, I should say, of education. So you should be very proud of that. I'm sure you are. 
And uh, even though you haven't been with us for a while, we should not suspect, nor should our listeners, that the organization is not thriving and moving forward really nicely. It's interesting. Uh, I meet leaders are passionate. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I always make the joke, I mean, it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. And it's very interesting because right now, every four years, uh, unlike a lot of other Jewish organizations, we actually change our leadership. It's by board mandate. Every four years, we have a new slate, a new set of officers come on, new set of board members. Um, and right now, we're in that transition period. So we're seeing some, some of our people, even a whole new crop of people coming in. But that uh, must kill you when certain people walk out. You know, it's really tough. Uh, but the culture the, uh, of Amit is such that people, when they come in, they know that bringing in new blood, bringing in new people is part of what we do. But right now, listen, I'm hijacking your program right now. <laughs> okay, I want everybody <laughs> listening. Nachum's program is being hijacked. I want to talk a little bit for the Foundation for Jewish Broadcast. <laughs> wow. All right, Because I am one of the silent majority who listen but have never given money before. Okay? Wow. Uh, and I, you're willing to and, admit and I, it. And I feel bad about that. So here. So right now, I am becoming a major donor <laughs> of the you. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting wow. with my Thank 25, no, with my, with my <laughs> gift to you. Thank you very uh, much. But I, th- this, is, this is my thinking, because I've listened to your show for a very long time. And i got to say, you know, we live in a world where our community is torn apart by so many things. And you've done this remarkable, almost miraculous thing of building a virtual Jewish community. I travel the Jewish world. That's my job. I'm all over. Wherever I am, the Nachum Siegel Show is this common denominator. This network is this, well, you can start a conversation. Did you hear about it on JM and the M? It's remarkable. So, uh, first of all, for that alone, it's worthy of support. But the bigger issue is here, listen, you want to hear Charlie Harari speak, you've got to pay $45,000 to a Pesach program. <laughs> here you get to hear it for free. You get Naomi, I listen to Naomi Nachman. My wife listens, listens to her. I gain weight just listening to that program. It's a remarkable thing. And you've got all the other things. So, listen, if you're in the audience, if you're listening to this thing, if you're one of the people like me who listen and feel a little bit bad, you've never given a check, this is the time to give a check. And I went to Starbucks the other day to get a cup of coffee for, for a meeting with someone. It cost me $7 for a cup of coffee. I was like, you know, I'm blown away with this. I'm not a coffee person. $7. I'm thinking, okay, I listen to the show every morning. All right. Um, you've got bills to pay here. Come on. This is a great service. Folks, Thank if you're you. in the audience, take a moment, write a check, go on the, on the app, um, but make a gift. It's an extraordinary show. And Nachum, it's a, it's, it's a privilege to not only to be on the show, but to listen to the show every day. I really appreciate it. I'm going to use this opportunity to remind people that it's FJB Unity org fjbunity.org and i really thank you for that andy goldsmith is here i think what you just said in this monologue is that we're your morning cup of coffee that's what it sounds oh, that like was good it sounds like that we, was really you're going good. to starbucks you don't realize that that's we it. as a network are really the that's coffee it. that gets you going in the we're, we're the shot in the arm for you in the morning so give this network this modestly named network and by the way you know the cnn abc um you know cbs or but this is the nachem siegel network all right you know this is miriam wallach's fault because she insisted that it has to be nachem siegel network i hear you it's all about the branding andy andy was accusing us of having immodestly Name the network, <laughs> and I think he, I think he might be right. And, and I would add, by the way, for the right dedication opportunity, someone could rename this network. Now we're talking. There now, you go. You really are a good. There you go. There you go. There you go. Unbelievable. But now I'm going to give the show back to you. I appreciate okay, we are unhijacked. You are now back in control of your own show. The um, this is a time of year where a lot of people. First of all, you you really did floor me with this whole change of leadership thing. I say that because you've developed relationships with certain colleagues, with certain people. I mean, I know what it's like. You talk about FJB. I know what it's like to have a chairman and people I rely on who I can go to, not just in times of emergency, but for advice and, and to you know, really move things forward, to bring a new initiative or program to. And it must be interesting when that group changes. You know, we're a 95-year-old organization that's still relevant. 
All right. Now, how many Jewish organizations out there right. are as vibrant as us? We have 50,000 supporters across the United States. Wow. Our operation in Israel, our annual budget is $125 million. You know, we have uh, 106 schools. We have 36,000 students. The only way you keep growing, the only is, is a constant evolvement right. towards whatever is better. And our culture is that. Some organizations do that with the Young Leadership Division and things, but you literally are changing leadership as you move yeah, forward. Yeah, and it's, it's impactful. And almost all of our leadership, not always. Some people, you know, it's tough. Right. You, you finally get to be in that role right. that you've aspired to be in your whole life. You know, Audrey Trackman is going to our new coming, in, our new incoming Amit president. Extraordinary background from Wharton, from Philip Morris, really an executive with incredible, incredible uh, ability to lead. Right, um, and she's replacing Debbie Mowat, who was there for the last four years. Debbie's great, and Debbie's extraordinary. And she had our presidency, and now it's time for the next president. Um, it's not simple because people aspire their whole, their whole Jewish communal career to get to that point, and then they have their four years, and then it's time for the next Correct. person. Um, but that's how we grow. Most people get that, um, and that's the reason we have young leadership that's active because people know there's a place to move up to. Right. You know, I hate the Jewish organizations that play musical chairs. You know, where the president becomes the chairman or there's a co-president because the president doesn't want to leave or after 50 years. It just stymies the organization. So you always have to be looking at new blood and new ideas, uh, and that's I think that's one of the reasons that we've been successful. For Andy so long. Goldsmith's here. The number that you said that caught our ear when we were with Amit in Jerusalem was 106. It is unbelievable, and it's amazing to me that, you know, just like we discovered it, I'm sure people are discovering it in this conversation, and as, you know, as Jewish communal life moves forward, it is unbelievable. That number of schools, 106, is astounding, and you've made a commitment. That's why I say the education arm of your organization is really always on top of things. You made a commitment to keep them not only active, but really keep them at the top of their game. Well, you know, what's really interesting, I know there's, there's a lot of talk about influencers right. and, you know, online, which I, you know, whether it's real or not, it's very hard to say. 30% of the Ethiopian student population in Israel is educated by Amit, by us. 30%, which really makes us a societal influencer. Now, I was in Israel last week when they had this terrible right. either either accident or right. crime. Right. We don't know exactly what it is. They did it work itself out. But the, the anger that was there, the protest that we're, is palpable. Now, those are our students. 30% of those kids, those elementary school and high school students, are our kids. And we're not saying, okay, how do we respond to that? How do we educate our kids? So they're not the ones in the streets, uh, you know, causing it. They're the ones who are going to build the next Israel, build what... Be build. members of Knesset. Exactly. And, and be rabbis. Exactly. And, and that's our challenge, and that's what we've done. Now, the good thing is we've done it before. You know, we did it with the North African Aliyah. We did it with the Russian Aliyah. Uh, we're doing it now with the Ethiopian Aliyah. And now with the French kids that are coming, you know, all of, the, all of France is leaving. Okay, they're leaving. They're coming to Israel or going to other places. And what's extraordinarily interesting about it for us is previously you had populations that would come from really bad places that were so thrilled to be in Israel. The French kids, the French teens are different. They were pretty happy where they were, and they're being forced to go to Israel, and they're not so happy about it. And we get them in high school, which is a wonderful age, you know, where everybody's well-adjusted. <laughs> is that what the educators right. tell you? <laughs> um, so you have a school where you have 1,000 high school kids, and suddenly you're getting 300 French kids. And our responsibility is to integrate them into Israeli society. 
and that's the kind of stuff we, we, we struggle with. Uh, it's, it, but it's an extraordinary time, Nachum. I know you're in it Israel sure is. almost, as, almost as much as I am. It's, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary time, and you get the opportunity to meet the doctors and nurses and meet the rabbis and meet the members of Knesset, all who came from your schools. Yeah. You get to see all these people, lawyers. I mean, you get to see some people who are really making a difference in Israel who are, who are part of the three million presidents, right, that you we know, talked about before. <laughs> on the micro level, it's incredible, but the micro level doesn't tell the whole story. Okay, right. it's it, our business is one of really of measurable outcomes. If you're doing responsible philanthropy, it's about measurable outcomes, and that's what we have. That, but here's the five mile case uh, that, that struck me. You know, I was in Israel. Um, not uncommon for me to be there uh, last week for a couple of days, and I was stuck on a highway. I think going from Tel Aviv to Petah Tikva, and I looked off in the distance, and without exaggeration, I think I saw 26 cranes operating, right? The new joke is, what's the national bird of Israel? The crane, all right? This incredible boom of building, this incredible, really a military superpower now, an economic superpower. So the question is, you and I, and, and most of the listening audience, anyone probably under over 35 years old, right? I'm, you're just 36 yourself. Uh, grew up with the case for giving for Israel. Give to Israel or Israel won't survive, okay? And that we know today is absolute nonsense, it's just not true anymore. Are there poor people in Israel? Of course there are poor people in Israel. And there are organizations you know, taking care of them. We're sitting there in the five towns. I've lived here most of my whole life. Not generally a poor area. Are there poor people in the five towns? Absolutely. There's Tomchei Shabbos. There's all these other things. There are poor people everywhere. So the question is, what is our relationship now? If Israel isn't the poor little cousin that we've given money to to get by, what is our role? And if you look at it on a societal level, it's extraordinary. On one side of the population, you have a Haredi population, which, and this is not a judgment at all, which doesn't identify with the values of the state of Israel. They've cornered the market on Talmud Torah. It's unbelievable what they've done for Talmud Torah. It's, it's a renaissance like we've never seen before, I would say, since the time of Shlomo HaMelech. It's unbelievable. But they have blinders in the Talmud Torah, and that causes other issues, right? On the other side of the population, you have a Haredi population, which also less and less identifies with the values of the state of Israel. You want a proof of that? Go to a a coffee bean and tea leaf in L.A., sit there, the language you're going to hear is Hebrew, because they're leaving. And we're the middle. Amit is that middle. You know, 99% of our students are going on to national service, are going on to the army, are going on to university. They're the builders of the country. So the question isn't... And are going to live the rest of their lives in Israel. Abs- and they're committed to it. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, you cut them open, little, Israel, you know, little uh, Israeli flag icons bleed out sometimes quite literally. Um, so the question is, what is this country going to look like five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. And that's where we are playing that role. Um, and that's what's extraordinary about Not what we're always, doing. by the way, the easiest pitch. A lot of times people don't realize that this investment is literally going to change and, and uh, help the state flourish down the road 10 years from now. As you say, you know, people don't always realize that. You have a core group of people that gets that, that understands the importance of you know, it. If you're serious about your philanthropy, if you take it really seriously, you look not for the short-term, right. okay, here they get, I get my plaque. You look for the long-term investment. And one of the things that makes, um, I mean, it's so incredible, is I'm able to go to a supporter and go to our members, and we have extraordinary members around the world who recognize that, but say, hey, make this investment with us, and I'm going to show you at one year, two years, three years, the impact that you made. We took a, kid, a bunch of, uh, of young men and women from Stayroad, which is a tough place to live, not just because they get rocket fire every 14 minutes or in a, and have 12 seconds to get to a shelter, but because it's a poor city. And the kids in Stayroad and the kids in Kiryat Malachi and 70% of our kids in the Amit Network come from areas like this. Um, they don't get the same opportunities as the kid in Renana. Let me tell you t- something. You take a kid, a five-year-old kid from Renana and a five-year-old kid from Stayroad, a, a start of their education, they're in exactly the same place. 
They're just as smart. They're just as capable. It's a question of what opportunities do you give them. And that's where we come in. We give them those opportunities, and they astound us with their capability to perform. It's incredible. And uh, you, really do have, you do have one secret weapon when it comes to convincing people to be supporters and to move forward with you, and that is if they come and visit a school with you. Because we have heard, I mean, directly from, from your, like I say, your colleagues and lay leaders, we have heard what kind of transform, transformative experience that's been, just seeing what goes on in the classroom and actually realizing as you sit and stand there that this is the future of the state of Israel right in front of you. You know, the amazing thing is, by I mean, no child left behind isn't a political slogan. It's our policy. Right. And we live and breathe it. Um, like you said, when we bring our, our people to our schools, Israeli kids are not shy about telling you <laughs> their opinions. Okay? And I'm going around with people, and I'm showing them the school. And I, and I stop random kids, and I probably stop at this point a couple of thousand kids. And I say, tell me what, what you like about the school, and then tell me what you don't like about the school. And without fail, and this is incredible. You think about in the age of Jewish education, we'll be spending money on facilities yeah. and in curriculum iPads. and on all the <laughs> iPads, everything. Without fail, and I mean thousands of conversations, every kid answers the same thing. It's my relationship with my teacher. All right? It's that personal one-to-one. And everybody, everyone in the listening audience, everybody had that one high school sure. teacher. I hope you did. You know, who, who saw more in you than you knew about you at that time. You know, I had a Rabbi Yechezkel Lehrer, Rabbi Asher Seba, when I was in OTI, Oliver Shalom. All right? You know, and everyone's had that teacher. And that's the difference that it makes. So, yes, we have to give them the best curriculum. We have to give them the best opportunities to succeed. We have to give them the best training so their Bagrit scores can go off the charts. And that is the next step to get into a good unit in the Army and get into a university in Israel, which isn't so simple. It's not so simple. The tender age of 15 and 16 in Israel, if you don't perform academically, you're finished. It's not like America where, right. you, where you can be a guy like me or you who did nothing in high school <laughs> and somehow you're able to do something. Okay? I Isra- learned so much about me. Exactly. The Isra- I read uh, Wikipedia. Uh, I, but the Israel educational system is not very forgiving. It's not very good on second chances. So we have to give them that opportunity. Uh, we've been successful in doing that. So you take them around and you meet these kids and that's what they say. Um, it's that relationship. So we have 30, 35, 36,000 kids. How do you maintain that connection with each kid? You don't know the number of teachers offhand, do you? Um, it's, 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 in the, in it's in the thousands. Yeah, it's in the thousands. Um, offhand, I don't know. Cause, oh, you know not, not always easy to find people that are, of, uh, it, that are able to reach children the way they do. You know, the hard part, you can find them. The hardest part is training them right. and keeping and feeding them and giving that. You know, you've been doing the same thing for five, six, seven, eight, twelve, thirteen years. Um, but the ones who are good at it, my God, they have a fire in them. You know, if we could bottle it, we could make a fortune. Hundred percent. Andy Goldsmith, how do people uh, reach Amit? How do they donate to Amit? How do they find out information? About Amit, how do they visit a school in Israel through Amit? Listen, go to the website. That's the best portal of entry. Or call us, let us know. But if, if just ask anybody in your community, everybody is connected to us somehow. It, it's not uncommon for us to have four generations of the same family involved. The great grandmother. It, it's incredible. Um, take a look. Come take a look at our website. Come see what we do. I have to tell you something. If you're interested in Jewish education in Israel, if you're serious about it, if you want to make that investment with us, we're fully transparent. Um, we have the highest ratings on Charity Navigator and, and GuideStar, and those are hard-earned things. All right, we send, we send our money to Israel. We don't spend it on our marketing. All right, you're not going to see our ads in the newspapers because we generally don't have them. 
Uh, we we are marketing. Uh, I like to say we invented social media. You know, nine, <laughs> not, and this is my like Al Gore. We really did. Ninety five years ago, how did you learn about Amit? You can't. Your neighbor told you about it. Word of mouth and, and dragged you to event after event till you became a believer. You know, it made you feel guilty. Exactly. It sounds like a, like a Ponzi scheme. You know, a pyramid scheme. But that's what we did, and that's pretty much the same way we do it today. Uh, and it's and it's very effective, and it gets in your blood. And when you see the measurable outcomes, you see what we're able to do. You see how we are literally transforming Israel day by day, making it better, making it a country that we're going to be continue to be so proud of, so proud of. You say, hey, this is this is where I want to be. Two things I got to wrap up with. Number one. Um I can attest to what you said about generations being together in your organization. When you did the theater event that time in Manhattan when I was there, there were four generations sitting in that That's audience, right. which was very cool That's and right. very interesting to watch. Uh, I don't know how the grandparents always get their grandchildren involved, but it, it's really remarkable how that happens. And a lot of organizations, frankly, would pay for that to be bottled and to be able to be sold. And the second thing is you would not believe how many people still talk to me about being with you at the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem and reliving those moments from 1967 with your people up uh, on that beautiful balcony in Jerusalem. It was, it was a, for us, a historic event, and we will be tied together with, you know, through that event together forever, frankly. So come this May, we're going to top that. Okay, come this May, we're going to do our 95th anniversary mission, and we want to do a Nachum Siegel broadcast from the location where the State of Israel was declared in Tel Aviv. Okay, at that very least, you're going to sit at the same place. You know that I have. I, that's so funny. I have chills. Miriam's oh, saying to me, she has chills. I am. Okay. I am going crazy right now. Uh, and, 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 and you're going to sit in the place where David Ben Gurion declared, declared the, the state, state of Israel on that Friday, right. 1948. Uh, and it wasn't simple to arrange that, by the way. You know, they're very protective about that in Israel for some reason. Meaning your logistics were not that easy. Uh, yeah, not so simple. But and in uh, May also, because it's you know the, it's, it's anniversary it's, time. It's going to be May, and it, listen, in the listening audience, the details will be coming out soon. Whether you're a member of the Amit community, you want to be a member of the Amit community. Or you just want to have this incredible experience to understand what is a very complicated little country. Um, you know, keep your eyes up and look for that. Look so for that we want to do that for Israel 70. We might just do it for Israel 72, the way it sounds. Wow, that would be amazing. Andy, always a pleasure. Uh, it sometimes me. frustrates me that you could do your own show, frankly, because, <laughs> because you're so talented and you're, I love your wit and, and how quick you are with these lines. But nonetheless, great to have you as a guest. Thanks, Malcolm. Andy Goldsmith, everybody. Search I meet online and... Follow Andy's example. He walked in here completely unbeknownst to us and became a donor to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, and he is asking everybody to follow suit, and you can, at fjbunity.org. That was my conversation with Andy Goldsmith from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, during our most recent trip to Israel, Dasi Samusi joined us from Ezer Mitzion with an Ezer Mitzion update and discussion about what's happening with Ezer Mitzion over the summer of 2019. Dasi Samusi of Azer Mitzio next here on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Dasi Samusi is with us from Azer Mitzio. Shalom, shalom. Hi, Nahum. Great to see you again. Do you again. remember our visit to Azer Mitzio? Remember? How could I forget? <laughs> that was awesome. Before our Anglewood uh, Shabbos of Heroes. I, I want to tell you something. Um, I don't know what you heard about that Shabbat. That Shabbat, and I was only there Saturday night. Uh, when I walked in, I was told by many, many people how inspiring that Shabbat was. Saturday night was, and you know I've hosted a lot of events in my career. It was one of the most significant gatherings I was ever at. Uh, first of all, the reunion 
donor and uh, which was incredible. That was but awesome. it, that wasn't the only part of the night. There was just a, an, an incredible feeling in the room that people together were saving lives. That people were trying to do something to really make Azermitzion as strong as possible. And I know that you and your organization felt that. You felt it was a well, really, it's really inspiring authentic. event. It was amazing, and it's it's authentic. Everybody who's there is part of it part of the, the, the Jewish DNA right. and this chain, this partnership of saving lives all over the world. It Thank you, amazing. Nachum, for your share in it. Uh, whatever we could do. Yeah. Um, all right, Dasi, I was told that you have a, uh, a, a discussion for us about what's happening this summer. Dafka, this summer. What's going on this well, summer? This summer is, um, summer is one of our busiest seasons. Interesting. Yes. Ezermitzion hosts... Ten different camps for different populations. Actually, there are 17 sessions of ten different population-oriented camps. This is in Israel. In Israel. Six of them are overnight. I didn't even think summer camping was that big in Israel. Wow, it's funny. Well, these are special populations. And um, Ezmetion is there because we understand the importance. A lot of these, let's say the special needs children Mm -hmm. who have no framework for about three weeks and parents go nuts and they don't have what to do and Ezimitzion is there um, giving them a safe, fun environment and tapping into the vacation in a constructive way and that's really, really a lifesaver for the families. We have our cancer patient summer retreats which is not just the cancer patients. It's a time for the whole family to come together and to have a great time together. And that's something very, so it's family very... family camping. That's family <laughs> camping, yes. And then we have our mental health populations, which we have four different types of camps for the mental health rehab. We have, for the clients themselves, mental health rehabilitation clients. We have, for families who are caring for a member in the family, and we have a couple's retreat, which is something awesome and unbelievable where you have one of the two pair, the husband or the wife, who are mental health rehab, and it's amazing. It really, really is amazing. It's something that's totally unusual because you don't find a lot of couples who stay together for a long time after after mental health uh, issues manifest themselves. And here we are. We were privileged to have it for the first time this year. 70 couples coming together, breaking a stigma and... um and saying, here we are, we're dealing with it, we're living with it, and um, we're coming for your for your encouragement and support. So 10 programs, 17 sessions. Right, 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 Unbelievable. Right. Um, the organization is, it, it seems to us, continues to grow like crazy. Uh, the number of people, and I know the IDF helped a lot, that, that's been obvious, and when we quoted the numbers at that event, people got the feeling that the IDF helped a tremendous amount. But it seems in general... Uh, not just concentrating on the IDF. There's so much more interest among people young and old to just be swabbed, to just be involved in this whole process. Absolutely, absolutely. And our our registry keeps growing, and we're doing um, ethnic drives targeted at specific communities. Our most recent one was for a two-year-old child named by the name of Imri, who was from um, South uh, from um, some kind of a a unique combination also, maybe um, um, Georgian, Bukharan, uh, Turkey combination. A and, right, right, right. And and 
this is why we, we, we see more and more that the way the registry is being grown through the IDF is really an ideal way because we're covering every ethnicity and all of the ethnic combinations. I remember you said that was an important component right? to the whole IDF Yes, project, it right? absolutely is. And, and 75% of our, of our um, transplants come in the last year was 74% came from from donors members of the registry who are under the age of 25 that means that we have to keep growing the registry with younger donors younger is better as far as the transplant outcomes that's a proven scientific research thing and the facts and the, <laughs> and the transplant centers without knowing who they are absolutely prefer the IDF and the and the younger soldier the younger um, members of the registry because of the pa- good patient outcomes whole thing makes sense of course Dasi Samusi is with us Azer Mitzion all right um, you have a lot of people listening right now in the diaspora uh, what could they do to help they can they can participate on a financial basis, right? Sponsor a uh, absolutely a swabbing or more. I assume the website has all the information. Am I right? Everything, that? everything. www.ezermitzion, E-Z-E-R-M-I-Z-I-O-N.org. There you have your donate options. You can take part in any way that you choose. Check it out. And, and anybody who wants to be a supporter, and I mean a, a, a supporter you can rely on, uh, I, I think one of the best things they could do is take a tour of what's going on at Ezermitzion. I didn't even realize that you had the infrastructure that you have, uh, you know, registry. We're not sure what that means. We hear registry. But then we go to your offices and your unique setup there for parents and for patients and for children. And it's a, quite I mean, a our science. cancer patient guest home. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And it that's offers more a, than that. There's so many components to that's it. That's right. There's a lot of activities and therapies there right. for for cancer patients, for their siblings, Dafka, for children, hospital. right near the hospital, for spouses. It's a Esmitiana understands that when illness strikes, it doesn't hit just the patient. It's a family issue, and we the important thing is the road to recovery has to be taken all together. The whole family is a single unit, and that's we're there for them, for every single one of them, every step of the way. All right. Azer Metzion website is a great resource. Dasi, I thank you very much for being thank here today. Thank you, Nachum. Have a great stay, and we look thank forward you. to welcoming you again. And, and regards to all those who are in these summer programs. I didn't, I, everyone, everyone assumes summer. Everybody's got a relaxing time. You and Azer Metzion have just the opposite. Well, with over 4,000 <laughs> campers, 260 staff members, and 1,500 volunteers, you could understand that it's a very busy season for us. Thank you, Nachum. Thank Take you care. so much. All Dasi Samusi, Azer Metzion. That was my conversation with Dasi Samusi of Azer Mitzion during our recent trip to Israel here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Don't forget all of the conversations and all of the shows that we did while in Israel are available to you via the archive section at NahumSiegel.com and, of course, the archive section on the NSN app. Make sure to tune in and continue to listen to all of our great programming right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Hey.
Hashem.